Hello and welcome to the Final Girls podcast where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls and your podcast host. For the next few months, we'll be tracing the lineage of female monsters in horror cinema. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a monster movie or two. Today's episode, we've got a 90s sci-fi double bill. And you know, 90s anything is the best kind of anything, so you're in for a treat. First of all, we've got Species from 1995, a mix of police procedural horror and science fiction where a team of scientists must track down Syl, an alien seductress, before she can mate with any human, which would obviously lead to the destruction of the entire human race. And later on in the episode, we'll cover the teen horror The Faculty from 1998, where the students of a rundown high school suspect that their teachers are aliens after a series of bizarre occurrences. It's also got the most 90s teen cast you can possibly imagine, including Josh Hartnett, Clea Duvall, Jordana Brewster, Elijah Wood, Usher. Glorious. I'm joined in this episode by writer Layla Latif to discuss both films in detail and see how well they've aged or not. Be warned, we do not shy away from spoilers from the very beginning of each discussion. Layla, it's so nice to speak to you. I've been a fan of your writing for a while. And I'm very happy to have you on the podcast now. Ah, thank you very much. I've been a fan of this podcast for a while, uh, ever since I came across your Buffy episode, um, which uh, <laughs> took it as seriously as I do and was very refreshing to see. Excellent. That's, uh, I'm sure Becky Dark, our resident Buffy connoisseur, will also really appreciate that. So we're going to chat about a science fiction double bill today. So we're going to chat about Species from 1995, and The Faculty from 98. Let's kick off with Species. In January, a message from an extraterrestrial source was picked up at the Parks Observatory in Australia. A new sequence of DNA. Friendly instructions on how to combine it with ours. This growth is amazing. The decision was made to terminate the experiment. He's breaking out! She escaped. We have a serious emergency on our hands. I want a team to track her. Hunt her down. You created a monster, now you want us to kill it. We decided to make it female so that it would be more docile and controllable. More docile and controllable. I guess you guys don't get out much. She wants to have a baby. She'll kill anyone that gets in her way. I wouldn't hurt you. Yes, you would. Just don't know it yet. She can have a dozen babies. She can lay a thousand eggs. Something's wrong. Had you seen this film before? 
Yeah, I saw it. Um, I think I was kind of 10 or something when it came out. And it was one of those films that you would get in the um, video rental place on a kind of very high shelf with this kind of sexy cover with, uh, you know, Natasha Hestridge with, um, you know, mm. like part alien, part very sexy woman. Um, and then I think when I was a teenager, I kind of finally managed to be, you know, was allowed to watch it. And yeah, I thought it was just like so exciting and so interesting and subversive. Um, so then coming back to it now 20 years later, it was not exactly as I remembered it. I would say it was <laughs> a lot, lot worse. <laughs> um, just like a way less interesting film and a much more kind of muddied film that didn't seem mm. to really know what it had to say on any, any real level. What do you think about it makes it so muddy? Um, I think it kind of gets, I mean, jumping right ahead. <laughs> the, oh, the, yeah. The final line of the film is um, the uh, one of the characters said, wow, she was half us and half something else. I wonder which was the predatory half. And I was like, well, I thought this film made it reasonably clear that this was like an invading alien that was trying to kind of rape a load of men and take over the planet. So like, I mean, what do you mean? Like, oh, maybe it was her humanity. Like, it just didn't seem to know what itself was talking about. It seems like a film that thinks it has a really deep thing to say about humanity and womanhood and motherhood. And then you're a bit just like, mm, I think it's just interested in baser things. Yeah, because it doesn't even really have a strong sense that, like, um, that, that this central alien even really knows what she's doing or is mm -hmm. kind of voluntarily doing all these things. Like there's some kind of some parts at the beginning where she's uh, transforming kind of into like a big vagina like chrysalis. And like that seems very involuntary. And she has all of these nightmares throughout and she's kind of tormented by this like demonic side that she has. So, I mean, it's not even clear that she has any um, like free will when it comes to these mm. things. And these are like active decisions that she's making. What's at other times, you know, where she's kind of torturing people, she does seem like a kind of cold-hearted psychopath. So, like, I think if you, if they fundamentally didn't make that decision with this mm. monster. And as a result, everything around it is kind of a bit woolly. Let's drill into Syl, the, the lead alien slash monster slash protagonist really what do you make of her as a whole well it's quite unclear because I, I it, it seems like michelle williams who plays her and i think is a much better actress in the first kind of third of the film is mm -hmm. doing something completely different from what natasha henstridge is doing where you have this kind of you know at the beginning she's just like purely motivated by like the survival instinct all these people are trying to come and kill her and these kind of you know, uh, murderous instinct she has that seems to be like a little bit out of her control. And then we have this strange middle section where she's kind of Daryl Hannah from Splash. Which... <laughs> you know what I mean? Where she's just kind yes. of like, oh, I'm just wearing a wedding dress and I don't understand how her money works and kind of like, kind of sort of like adorably naive. And then she gets extremely murderous um, <laughs> nightclub on. But at mm. times it's kind of justified and at times she's kind of torturing people for the sake of it. So it's just like, it, I, it, I think um, Natasha Hestridge, for all that she is like an extremely beautiful woman, I think this was her first acting role. And I think mm. perhaps like the, the story itself didn't 
have such a strong sense of who this character was. So she probably didn't really have anything to kind of solidly pin it to as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a bit that it is her first performance. I think yeah. it was her first performance kind of in, in a lead role or maybe like in a in, in any place. Yeah, but, I think she was a model that they just kind of plucked yeah. out, but I'm not 100% on that. Um, nobody Google it, please. i mean i'd completely forgotten that michelle baby michelle williams was in this in the first half so i was very surprised by her Mm. but what do you think of natasha in particular because she she's tasked with carrying the film and that's a lot yeah um i think there's a lot of like moments that she has in it which are pretty good like there's um a bit where she's kind of faced with a man who um like turns very like who she's kind of decided that she doesn't actually want to sleep with and she kind of turns the tables on him which she does very well mm. with kind of like a great kind of glint in the eye and she does kind of those camper moments quite well and the bit where she's just Daryl Hannah from Splash quite like <laughs> endearing but I don't think she, she I think she goes a bit glassy eyed and I can see how well what else are you going to do because this person's this uh, characters' motivations are so unclear, so she goes mm. a bit robotic. Um, uh, yeah, and I feel for her. I can't. I mean, I can't imagine what it must have been like. And especially considering that the supporting cast is uh, extraordinary, we've got Forrest Whitaker, we've got Alfred Molina, we've got Ben Kingsley. Uh, kind of, what do you make of their? Not so much their performances, but kind of this ragtag team of freelancers, detectives, empaths that are tasked with finding Syl? Um, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing cast. We've got three Academy Award-winning, like, and not even Best Supporting, three that won, like, the big one, <laughs> the Best Actor title. I think Michelle Williams is actually great in it, as she is in everything else. Ben Kingsley seems to be half asleep. Um, and it's like really just, I think, just kind of wading through this for a paycheck. Um, and uh, Forrest Whitaker is, you know, Forrest Whitaker has a certain magic about him. But this in this role, he's given like the most awful uh, magical Negro character. This is kind of like, oh, I don't even know how you describe it. Like he's, he's like spiritual, very of the earth, very... Um, has no motivations aside from to help others, no other kind of complexities to his characters. It's like a really egregious example of that trope, which um, if people don't know about Magical mm-hmm. Negroes, it was something that, uh, I think it was popularized by Spike Lee, but I believe it was first um, Christopher John Farley who came up with the term. And it's about that you have a black character who has kind of vague magical prowess, who only seeks to kind of help the white characters out in what they do and has no kind of personal storyline. So this is like a very offensive and typical example of that. And it's a little frustrating Mm. to see um, Forrest Whitaker in such a role when, um, you know, he is obviously one of our great actors. Mm -hmm. And all he gets to do in this film is just go up to things and to people and kind of weirdly sense what she had been doing but that's also not what empathy is yeah and and he gives the worst advice like it's all like 
you know, like, <laughs> oh, I think maybe she walked because the car crashed. Or um, like, oh, um, I think maybe she liked this guy because they have a photo together. I mean, like, I could do an equally mm. good job at that, uh, you know, if I half asleep. <laughs> so that's like, on top of the fact that they have him in this trope, they have him be bad at his job. <laughs> How do you think the film plays around with genres as well? Because we've got bits of the police procedural in there. We've obviously got science fiction. We've got some horror bits in there as well. How do you think it tries and succeeds or fails in melding all those genres? Um, I think the tonal shifts in some parts are quite difficult so we have like this police procedural style where we've kind of got like a kind of gnarled hard drinking michael madsen and a little bit of comic relief from alfred molina and some sexual tension between some of the characters and they're going off and drinking in bars and like having you know wisecracking and um joking around with one another which is quite jarring in comparison with like the high stakes of the other side of the film that like more like Ben Kingsley and Syl occupy where it's just like oh Mm -hmm. this alien is gonna come and like destroy the entire planet. I wanted to pick up as well on something that you alluded to a little bit earlier which I found really interesting in re-watching the film and it's how the film deals with sex and perhaps maybe because I saw it as a too young and in and I didn't really get it at that time but it's it's quite interesting maybe interesting is a strong word but there's a lot of sexual tension between characters and even Syl and the way that she is basically portrayed as just <laughs> trying to find any man to reproduce with. But there's that encounter with that guy that she rejects kind of contradicts that one driving force that she has. So um, what did you think of the way that the the film deals with sex in general? God, that's a big question. Um, it doesn't, it's not that thoughtful, a lot of the sex scenes. You feel like a lot of it is mm-hmm. just um, an excuse to get still naked. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's so there's one that essentially is kind of like, looks like she goes home with this guy. She decides she doesn't want to have sex with him mm. and the guy turns aggressive and it looks like it's going to turn into like a date rape scenario. And he's very much, uh, you're not leaving here without me having sex with you. And then she has a kind of glint in her eye, almost like, it's almost a wink to the camera. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> graphically murders him. Um, and I think this is supposed to be like a quite a cathartic moment where we're kind of supposed to punch mm. the air and feel like, yeah, go sill. But it sort of feels a bit grubbier than that. Watching it, I think, in 2020, mm. where, you know, you kind of it's hard to take pleasure in what is a sort of counter sexual assault. And also the fact that mm. um the tables were turned to begin with because she was essentially intending on raping him to begin in the first place. There's there's a couple of interesting things that you bring up there. One of them is the fact that kind of it's that does she even does it even make sense for her to be sort of vulnerable in that point? Like at the point where she decides she doesn't want to go through with it. There's a moment um that washes over her face where she's kind of almost scared, but she's completely aware of the fact that she is insanely 
much more stronger than any other human. So kind of the idea of her being afraid for herself in that situation almost seems contradictory because she's always in control of her abilities and her powers and her strength. Yeah, I mean, the film does kind of almost suggest that there's a kind of dual person within Mm -hmm. her. I mean, she is able to kind of transform from human to alien Mm -hmm. in some ways, but like she does seem to yeah you're right at some points kind of forget that she's an alien and then the other thing that i find really interesting is that do you think that when she is out there kind of hunting men do you think that's kind of her intending to rape them well there is something that it kind of touches upon at that point because obviously if some if you're having sex with someone and they tell you that they're using production and they are not that is sexual assault and she does do that to alfred molina which, you know, not cool, Sil, not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind the murdering part. That in itself is problematic. This is true. It is. This is very true. And also with that guy that she, uh, when the guy who saves her, well, saves her, the guy who takes her to the hospital after she's had an accident, she forcibly pulls him into the swimming pool and then starts taking his clothes off and he's you know i mean she then does murder him but he's very uncomfortable in that situation and yeah she should have stopped she should have stopped Uh, but you know it's one of but i think within the context of the film i think we're not Mm. really supposed to take issue with that it's literally just Mm. the murdering that's like a problem like i think kind of there's a little sense and especially like you know, the sex scenes with Alfred Molina and mm. certain parts where it's just kind of gazing at like, I mean, she is just a phenomenally beautiful woman, but it's kind of shot in a way to kind of emphasize how unbelievably gorgeous she is. So I think mm. you're almost supposed to feel like, oh, this lucky guy. But, you know, unfortunately, it's the tables <laughs> are about to turn. But that part, Unfortunately. I love your use of like, unfortunately, she will murder you, but she's real pretty. <laughs> hey, that's not what I think. That's what the film thinks. <laughs> yeah. It is quite um, fun. It's not the right word, but it is unusual to see uh, a woman. It's very much still presenting as a human woman as opposed to an alien and it's very, quite rare to see this woman kind of actually be the aggressor in those situations and be so entirely, not blasé, but just incredibly inhumanely direct about things. Yeah. It's it's sort of even an image that we're, we're not used to seeing on screen, I think. Yeah, I think they do kind of shy away from kind of... Because I know that they had um, H.G. Geiger doing the design... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm surprised they kind of didn't lead, you know, if you have someone like that doing the monster for you, I'm surprised they kind of didn't lead into that a little bit more. It was, they were much more focused on kind of presenting her almost as more a conflicted woman rather than mm. an alien with a plan. So what did you think of the creature design? Because Atar uh, Geiger had done the alien creature design, so he's pretty much designed some of the most iconic alien looks on for cinema yeah and i love it um yeah i went i actually went to the museum all about his work in switzerland one time Amazing. and i strongly recommend it if you have a chance it's in this tiny town called gruyere so you kind of go and see all the alien designs and then you have a fondue mm-hmm. it's a very good day out <laughs> 
But Perfect. yeah, I think apparently he hated it. I did kind of read that, that and he kind of mm. um, was very, very disappointed that they took out some of the more disturbing aspects. Like when they mm. have, when she has those visions of the train, um, mm-hmm. I read this great story about how they kind of have that as just a few seconds, but he had actually designed it as like this grotesque train that was made entirely out of like mating alien bodies. And he was so upset that they didn't, use it that he built a full-scale version in his back garden which really upset mm-hmm. all his neighbors you <laughs> know in a way I can kind of see that that was a mistake that they made because if they had leaned mm-hmm. into a little bit more like alien wisely did these kind of mm-hmm. grotesque designs and these kind of like really like bare you know visions of like rape and sexuality as told through like these monstrous objects that I think it would have given the film a lot more power Rather than mm-hmm. just like sexy alien. Oh no, plot twist, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> and there seems to be kind of a disconnect between the effects to me as well, because at one point they're very they're very physical, like you can see that that's actually on set. And then the CGI version of Sill is has not aged very well, has it? No, it's always hard to tell with these things. Like, is that bad or am I just judgmental because I've got like, <laughs> a, you know, like a modern day lens on these yeah. effects? But yeah, no, they. Um, it, it was uh, very anticlimactic at the end. I mean, I actually do think that mm. there is one scene where she's giving birth that was amazing. And she's kind of like breastplates shift in the kind. And, you know, it's like a really grotesque birth scene. And I loved that. And I wanted more of that. Mm. But then we went mm. to, like you said, this kind of CGI, quite like plastic. Everything kind of looks just quite light and very unthreatening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which was a shame because we kind of we kind of had our best moment with it, followed by our worst mm-hmm. moment with it. And to start wrapping up the conversation about species, what did you think of the ending? Um, I thought it was a bit mystifying that the last line oh. in the entire film was I can't get wait to get out of this sewer. I was like, well, that's really leaving it on a like, damp note. And then the <laughs> rat bit didn't really make any sense anyway. So I, it kind of, I think from the birth, it just is a sharp dip mm. downhill. But I was quite surprised that you can show a naked child on screen also. That was, that was the only bit that really had any impact on me. This film has aged weirdly in so many ways yeah but not a boring film you know if you've got an hour and 40 minutes to kill it's not um (laughs) you know you won't fall asleep yes and if you're interested in just seeing what um, extremely accomplished and successful and well-respected actors were doing in 1995 (laughs) yeah (laughs) moving on to another lady alien film from the 90s let's talk about the faculty no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. Now, these six students won't just question authority. They'll have to destroy it. Critics are calling it hip and scary. A thrilling ride from beginning to end. The faculty. Please report to the principal's office. 
Now, I remembered loving this film, and when mm-hmm. I saw it again, it had aged differently than I remembered, but I still really left with like a lot of love for it. Hmm. So what did you think about it rewatching it now? I think it was a lot more nihilistic than I remembered. Like, I love this idea of, well, I mean, you've kind of got this like central cast of misfits, which are kind of mm-hmm. a little bit could come out of a John Hughes film. Um, mm-hmm. But there's kind of a grittiness to them that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And it kind of spoke to, you know, especially when you're kind of a teenager in the UK, mm-hmm. like how much cooler being an American teenager looks like, oh even God, when yes. they're supposed to be in this like really grim high school. Um, yes. But like just that like the local drug dealer like drives a badass car and is secretly <laughs> a science genius. Like I was like, yes, this is kind of the gritty teenage years of my dreams. <laughs> Did you identify with any one character when you were a teenager? I think everyone thinks they're Claire Duvall. So <laughs> so actually it makes the kind of final scene with Claire Duvall even more disappointing. But yeah, it had a lot more teeth than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Like you have that character um, whose name escapes me. Um, they're kind of head cheerleader who's also the editor of the news. Delilah. Yes. She is such a stone cold bitch in a way and so unapologetically so. And I think a film with less teeth would have like kind of softened her and made her like a little, you know, a little, you know, materialistic perhaps and a little Mm -hmm. overconcerned with her image. But like, you know, at her core, like a fully decent person. But no, this film is just like she is a monster. There's one point where like (laughs) somebody is like, being chased down by her friend is being chased down by aliens and he trips and he's like please help me and she just keeps running (laughs) (laughs) my favorite delilah bitch moment is when stan tries to kiss her at like at the start of the film and she's like uh no this lipstick takes 72 minutes to apply (laughs) it's like it's lipstick what are you doing no it's and then like that she's just a raging homophobe it's also i I think in a way probably has a different feeling in 2020 than it did when this film mm. um, came out. But it, to me, it kind of adds to it. It's just like, no, let's just make her awful and like kind of center it around these like really unsympathetic person. And she also has kind of no, you know, excuse for being such a massive dick to everyone. Like everybody gets sort of a familiar backstory that says, oh, they were then neglected by their parents or they're going through some family stuff, which kind of just gives them a bit of teenage angst. But she's just mean, just completely mean spirited. Yeah, which actually leads me to one of my favorite moments in this film which is just such a tiny one, where Mary Beth is saying to Josh Hartnett, like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. my parents died in a terrible accident. He was like, yeah, my parents are dead too. And she goes, really? And he goes, no, but they might as well be. And I was like, what sort of thing is that to say to somebody who's just told you about a tragic accident in which their parents died? Ooh. I love it. I have a lot of love for this film. <laughs> I like. I used to watch it all the time as a teenager and had the same feeling of like oh my high school is nowhere near as dramatic and cool as the high school and the faculty you know when people get punched in the face just for stepping off of the school bus that brings me on my nicely to my next question is how do you think this film kind of combines both this invasion of the body snatcher storyline with all of the teen movie tropes so much of a tribute to the <laughs> yeah. thing which one of my favorite films so i was thrilled to see that i think it works surprisingly well 
And I, it's weird because I didn't realize actually that this was a Robert Rodriguez film until I just rewatched mm. it now. And aside from Josh Hartnett's car, it's and Selma Hayek being in a very small, thankless role, it's not very Robert Rodriguez-y, but he does still mm-hmm. have this kind of like real like gleeful fun with it and like a bit of nihilism thrown in. So I, yeah, I think it really does manage to mesh all of those things really well. And I believe it was written mm-hmm. by the same guy who wrote Scream. It was, Kevin Williamson. Yeah, so much of it feels like Scream. Uh, like that first mm-hmm. uh, bit at the beginning where the principal is uh, being mm-hmm. uh, horribly murdered. Um, and uh, we've got the mother from Carrie, who is fantastic yes. in this film. Her name escapes me. What is, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, no. Um, but You're yeah, she is phenomenal as a very, very threatening drama teacher. What do you think of the of the cast? Because we've both got the most 90s teen heartthrobs as the kind of the students. Well, heartthrobs is a strong word. It's just Josh Hartnett and everyone else who's ever been in a 90s teen movie. Yeah. And everyone as adults, like you mentioned, we've got Salma Hayek. There's Piper Laurie from Carrie. There's... Uh, um, Bibi Newell. Yes. Uh, John Stewart Robert is the science yes. teacher. <laughs> and Robert Patrick from Terminator 2. This is yes. fantastic uh, football coach. He's got such a phenomenal face for kind of being sinister he really does he's such a mean coach as well what did you make of all of those like that spectacular cast i just thought they were i mean the one that particularly stuck out for me was the drama teacher better known as a uh, carrie's mum um yeah who's what is she, piper laurie piper laurie yeah and there's I mean, there's a slightly misogynistic thing that seems to happen with this film where um, the women get infected by the alien parasite and then get like mm-hmm. way better groomed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens to her, but it kind of even like lends to this kind of really like sinister facade, this kind of like mm. beautifully like coiffured stiff hair and like mm-hmm. iciness that like comes out from this like beautiful eye makeup that she then puts on. I thought she was like really the standout to me. I actually think John Stewart mm. is not great in this, but it was still good to see him. <laughs> it's always nice to see John Stewart. And kind of zeroing in on Mary Beth, who is the well, the alien queen basically. Mm. And she's also the only performer who doesn't really have the same profile or didn't have the same profile in 1998 when this came out. Yeah. Um she's played by Laura Harris. So what did you make of Barry Beth as a as a character? She was a lot better than I had remembered. There's a lot of kind mm. of scenes where she is human where she's kind of talking to Claire Duvall's character, talking mm. talking to Josh Hartnett's character, which like very like subtly hints to what's to come, which is quite interesting when you have a rewatch to see those nods mm-hmm. because the film really does not put any clues that it's Mary Beth mm. um, in it. Like it's um, there's no kind of um, like red herrings really that anyone mm-hmm. is any of that. I think you're just supposed to really believe it is the football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she then kind of does this like fantastic nude monologue at the end, I was I honestly I was rooting for her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she makes a really compelling argument yeah. to come on to her side. Yeah, and everything will be peaceful and everything will be nice. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, Mary Beth is like fully in human form. The only one of mm-hmm. them that is not an actively terrible person. So maybe she has some points. 
And what do you think of her in her monstrous form? I, that was one of the things that I was impressed by. That like mm. often when you have kind of a monster that's revealed right at the last second, the reason that they're doing that is because the monster they have isn't great. Um, but actually, that was a very compelling monster. And I think that the CGI on it, you know, really worked very well. And the bit where it goes mm. into the pool, I thought was done so well. I, yeah, I was yeah. really impressed. I thought there's all of that aged pretty decently. Yeah. And that kind of final scene where she's in full alien form and hunting down Elijah Wood's character. Yeah. It's still maybe just the enormity of it, but it's also an alien that I think completely sheds her female form when she's in alien form, which I find quite interesting. Yeah. Especially if you think about species, which kind of, even when Syl is in her alien form, she still has essentially the body of a woman, but yeah. it's just made up in makeup. And this is just a full, insanely sized beast that's trying to eat up everyone. Yeah, and it's more that kind of the human femininity was just like, a good disguise because people just found this person mm. so non-threatening that she could kind of move about so easily within this kind of high school world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You, I, well, I suppose that they're supposed to be a bit invasion of the body snatchers. They have like a collective consciousness, but then that doesn't mm. fully hold up because there's one point where someone will yell like, they're over here. And it's like, if there's a collective consciousness, they already know. <laughs> And there's one thing that really stuck out to me upon rewatch, which I hadn't picked up on when I was watching as a teenager, is the kind of the dialogue is insane. Mm. Just the sheer amount of new combinations of insults and swear words that are done in this film. I'm like, I was making notes when I was rewatching it for this podcast. And most of my page of notes is just all of the new combinations of insults that they come up with. Oh my God, I need to hear this. <laughs> just in those fi- first like five minutes with with the coach it's just like a barrage of new ways of demeaning people and it kind of reminded me a lot of of heathers in the sense that the dialogue doesn't seem to be very 90s it just seems to exist in a in a parallel timeless universe and i was wondering what you thought of that um, yeah, like some of the insults between some of the characters are absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's particularly from uh, Clea Duvall, um, who's just yes. doing some wonderful kind of venomous work, shouting at her, <laughs> shouting at her uh, peers. But the the one thing that I kind of thought that like the, really this storyline could not happen in um, 2020 was the whole Framke mm. Janssen josh hartnett sexual relationship between the teacher and the student which um Mm -hmm. has aged very very strangely because also at the end they're together (laughs) i'm glad you bring that up because i also thought that and i was like "Mm, this is weird in so many ways (laughs) and also just that scene when Famke jansen at this point she is an alien Mm. Oh, yeah, but because she's become an alien, she's now super sexy, which is also the weird thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she's now, like, fully gone into, like, sexy mode. But then, but it's still a teacher working at the high school, and it's somehow appropriate for her to physically assault and yell at a student in the middle 
of the parking lot in front of everyone and be cheered on by it. Yeah. That's such a strange thing. And that before that, there's this like really disgusting scene where he's sexually harassing her and like offering her mm. laxatives and I think flavored condoms or something. Yeah. And I feel that there needs to be like a new name for this type of character that like Josh Hartnett is that like there was so much of in this era that's like the opposite of the manic pixie dream girl where it's kind of like the mm. misunderstood fuck boy because <laughs> you know like there's a lot of those in this area in this yeah. era where they're like awful but like deep down like they've got some sadness <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pause i'm gonna suggest a name for this okay. because i love these it's not a soft boy because a soft boy uses feelings to manipulate. Sure. And it's not a fuck boy. This is a hard boy. And boy with an eye. Ah. Because they look hard and rough around the edges. Nice. But they're still boyish. And they still have feelings. And deep they... down. They've got some trauma. <laughs> and they're like, even though they haven't graduated <laughs> high school, they're like secretly a genius. And they're always just slightly too old to be in high school. I think the way that the film excuses Josh Hartnett's character hooking up with his teacher is the fact that he repeated a year. So technically he's like 19 as opposed to underage or 18. Yeah, but you know Something what? Like We're that. saying that that's dated well, but that is basically exactly what happened in Booksmart, which came out last year. <laughs> it was weird in 1998. It's weird in 2020. Let's not let's not encourage those types of relationships in cinema so what did you think of the of the ending now i remember seeing this and thinking originally and thinking the ending was bad because why would you take these characters that were like actually very like self-confident misfits well aside from a larger word mm -hmm. and then like have the ending be like oh now we're feel comfortable to be like super mainstream that like Josh Hartnett plays football now and Claire Duval is wearing pastels and um, everything. <laughs> but actually, if you watch watching it now, it's like this is a phenomenally great nihilistic ending because the whole mm -hmm. thing is that they actually never cared about anything beyond themselves because you've got Elijah Wood's character who's now making out with the incredibly... Um, gorgeous super bitch whose name I cannot remember. Jordana, Jordan, Jordana Brewster, I think she's called. Delilah, yeah. Yeah, she is, yeah. Because, you know, for whatever reason, even though she's, he's always hated him, and then he's, like, really content in his kind of new place in the world, and the press are all interviewing him, but, like, right behind him, somebody is being horrifically bullied in exactly the way he was in the beginning mm -hmm. of the film. So it kind of suggests Mary Beth had not a bad idea in the first place because these people are so concerned with just like kind of being alphas in their own position mm -hmm. and nothing about like defending the defenseless. Yeah, no, I liked it. It was dark. <laughs> I like it's dark because it also kind of makes all of the the weirdos that we meet and we develop some sort of fondness for, like all of the misfit characters like you say it makes them go mainstream and meld into the roles that they were sort of rejecting in the first place anyway like i was i was particularly disappointed with claire duvall's character like she was a super cool goth chick who always read sci-fi novels and told everyone to fuck off and then suddenly 
she's wearing pastels. Before Why? she went it with a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but she can have a boyfriend and still be a really cool goth girl who reads sci-fi novels. Uh, actually, one of the my favorite things. Oh, sorry, just going back again. It's like the bit where <laughs> Stan becomes an alien and he's talking to Claire Duval through the glass pane, and he just mm. immediately starts negging her. Where he's just like, you yes. could be so pretty. <laughs> I know. I know. But, and, but, you know, she clearly took that on board and kind of did an Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Star Club makeover for herself. And now she's happy, apparently. God damn it. It was, it was too good to last forever, I guess. But is it, I mean, that is so wonderfully dark in its own way. That, like, yeah. sure, that, like, these guys, like, spent this whole time fighting off this monster that just wanted them to be part of this, like, giant, homogenized, like, brain. Um, mm. But actually left at their own devices. They did just that anyway. They just conformed <laughs> as much as they possibly could, given the opportunity. Oh, my God. I, I love that. And... To wrap up our conversation, I wanted to bring both of these films together. Both Species and the Faculty feature these female aliens that manifest as sort of conventionally beautiful, white, blonde, skinny women. And both of their key ambitions are sort of to procreate and protect their species. So what do you make of their takes on the alien? Um, I think the... Um alien of the faculty uh, is a much more kind of interesting idea simply because there is like a broader plan a wider premise and when it comes down to that character kind of unveiling themselves and having their voice there's like a decision that's been made uh, and like a plan and a philosophy that's like actually quite succinctly kind of uh, you know given in like this rather well done monologue mm-hmm um, I think the problem with species is you've, they just don't give that alien any real agency. So mm-hmm. it, it's very hard to know what you're watching and what it's trying to say in any broader sense about mm-hmm. um, society, about femininity, about you know sexuality, all of those things. Whilst at least in the faculty, I felt like, oh, I could get what they're using this alien to try and say. And... They both die at the end of the films. Yeah, justice for Mary Beth. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's the, another T-shirt that I need to make. So, why do you think the the female monster needs to die so often in these films? Well, I mean, there is kind of an idea that with like, there's a level of misogyny in horror where we do, where we as the audience love to see a woman kind of butchered in some way. So <laughs> it's probably an element of that happening. But also, I mean, in the case of species, I think they just ran out of things to do with her because they didn't really know where this was going. <laughs> which is a Brutal. sad state of affairs. <laughs> and to wrap up our conversation, would you recommend that contemporary horror fans seek these films out? The faculty, definitely, because it is also really, really fun. Um, I think Mm -hmm. if you are someone also who really loves Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it is in a kind of similar family. Um, Species, it's not boring. I mean, you're not going to kind of, uh, again, like I said, fall asleep or, um, Mm -hmm. or like 
spend the entire time looking at your phone, but it's been done um, better. So if you kind of want to watch an alien film with like a lot of great Geiger, watch Aliens. If you want to watch a kind of, <laughs> if you want to watch a film about kind of a sexy alien doing a great monologue, watch The Faculty. <laughs> what an amazing way to end. Leila, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. And where can people find more of your work online? Um, yeah, so I've got some stuff coming up in the next month with Little White Lies magazine and Sight and Sound. And then I can always be found on Twitter. Um, I would not recommend my Instagram. It's only pictures of my children. Um, but Twitter, you can find me at Leila Latif. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Final Goals podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. If you can, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot. You can find out more about what we do on the Final Goals UK and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Final Goals UK. You can also follow Layla's work on Twitter at Layla Latif. And I've just discovered the internet's best dog over on Anna Be Demented. Thank you for listening. And next week, we'll be back with some J-horror goodness.